grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So it's been a been a bit of a, a sad week in the Haynes household this week because the kids went off to college, and so our oldest two took off this past week. Uh, my daughter was starting a little earlier than my son was. They're both in school in California. We sent my son out with my daughter because my daughter has no sense of direction. So we're like, make sure she went to California, not Texas. Send the boy because he's got a good sense of direction. So it's a little sad. The, the dogs are walking around the house, checking their rooms, looking for them. They can't figure out what's going on. It's pretty quiet. It's been a, been a little, little sad. I mean, we spent past 20 years taking care of them. And now they're, they're heading out. This past week, uh, my daughter, her garbage disposal was broken, her little dorm apartment area, so I, I helped her fix that. So that, was, that felt good, you know? Via FaceTime, she's like showing me stuff. I'm like, okay, got to do this and this. And that was nice, but it's just not the same, you know? And so I, I tell myself this. The only thing worse than my kids leaving is my kids not leaving. <laughs> right? That's the only thing worse. Right? And that gets me through. I'm like, well, I'm not sad, but it could be worse. They could still be here, and that would be bad. Um, they were designed that way. Right? They're not designed to be taken care of for the rest of your lives. They were created for that. God did not give you kids so that you could keep them. And in that sense, they were never ours. In that sense, they were never ours. Our job was to, to raise them, to love them, to teach them, and to send them for God's purposes, for His glory, and for His joy, to use all the gifts that God has given to them to their best use. And they can't do that if I'm taking care of them. It doesn't work that way. That's not to say that, that adult kids who are living at home are doing something wrong, because it's hard out there in this world. Um, when I got out of college, you could go out and you could get an apartment. These days, can you imagine doing that on your own in this area? It's insane. But it is to say that kids aren't designed to be taken care of indefinitely. There's not. Imagine. Imagine uh, you live next to Cape Canaveral. Like you live in Cape Canaveral and you drive past the space shuttle launch pad every day for work. And imagine you see that space shuttle just sitting on that launch pad. It might look something like that there. And it's just sitting there. And day after day and week after week, you see that. It's just sitting right there, not doing anything. And after a few months, you start going, you know, Time to light that sucker. Because <laughs> that's what it was designed to do. That's what it was made to do. It was made to be launched. And you're the same way. You were designed for a purpose. You were designed for a reason. And I'm sure all of you have had the experience of lying in bed and it's midnight, and you're lying there going, what am I doing? Why am I spending my time on this? What's it all for? 
I'm exhausted. Why am I here? What am I doing? And how am I going to get out of this mess? What's my purpose? Have you been there? We've all been there. Do you matter? Does God care? Does anyone care? And there are all different ways of asking that same question. What is my purpose and why am I here? And so we talk about purpose today. It's challenging because we all start out the same way. We all start out thinking, why am I here? What am I doing? What is my purpose? And it's a good question, but it's not the best question. Because it's a poor starting point. And if you know, if you start off at the wrong spot, you have to end up in the wrong spot, right? So why is my purpose, why am I here, are good questions. It's just not a great question. Because whenever you answer that question, you'll always look inward. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Now, I've always thought a better question is this. For whom am I here? For whom am I here? Andy Stanley, he puts it this way. That those who devote themselves to themselves will ultimately have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. I'll do it again. Those who devote themselves to themselves will ultimately have nothing to show for themselves but themselves. So the very first funeral I ever did was in California, so I can tell you the story, because you don't know this family, right? It's in California, and they said, will you do a funeral for my dad? I'm like, yes, I'd be happy to do that. I'd be honored to do that. Tell me about your dad. And the first thing they said to me was, well, he was really good at the New York Times crossword puzzle. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's, that's tricky. That's hard to do. That's wonderful. Tell me something special about your dad. What did your dad do that, that you loved? And they said, you know, he could do it in pen. <laughs> I went, wow, that's really impressive. What are you going to miss about your dad? And the answer was clear. Not a darn thing. Like he lived by himself because I was the only person he could get along with. And for his funeral, they wanted the song My Way by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Because that was his life. He did his way and no one else's. And at the end, that's all he had to show for himself. He had a nice car, had a nice house, plenty of money. And that was it. Because everything he did was for himself. And nothing he did was for anyone else. And at the end, when people lined up to say something nice about the guy, all they could say was, well, he was really good at crossword puzzles. Don't let the same thing happen to you. What do you want people to say about you on that last day? And if you ask, ask the question, what is my purpose? You may never get there. But if you ask, for whom is my purpose? For whom am I here for? That's a better place to start. That's what Jesus did. It's a great text in Philippians chapter 2. It's one of the best verses in the Bible. It says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, or something to be grasped, is the old translation. But rather he made himself nothing, 
by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name. So that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So even for Jesus, God in the flesh, for him, the purpose was not, what is my purpose, but for whom am I here? So I'm going to say something that, that may be mind-blowing to some of you. You are not God in the flesh. And so for you, it's even more important to ask, not what is my purpose, why am I here, but rather, for whom am I here for? Because you're most likely, more likely, to arrive at a correct answer. But here's the second challenging thing about purpose. The second challenging thing about purpose is this, is that purpose has a cost. It's got a price. Anything valuable has a price to it, right? A nice car is going to cost a lot. Nice clothes is going to cost a lot. And purpose and meaning is a whole lot more valuable than any of those. It's going to have a cost. And there's a price to it. And a lot of you know this already. And some of you know, I think God's calling me to do this, and you're not doing it because you know... It's going to cost something. It's going to cost more time. It's going to cost more resources. You're going to have less free time. There's going to be a cost. But you'll sacrifice anything to something you think is important. If you think your education is important, you'll sacrifice money, you'll sacrifice time, you'll sacrifice resources, because education is important to you. You'll sacrifice for it. If you think the Broncos are important, you will sacrifice for the Broncos, right? You'll get the shirt, the jersey. Those things are 100 bucks. Did you know that? The real nice ones? You'll sacrifice for it. You'll sacrifice time. You'll put aside time. You're going to watch the game, right? You'll make a sacrifice. Anything that's valuable to you, you'll make a sacrifice for it. So what's the most valuable thing to you? Better put, who is the most valuable person to you? Is valuable to you. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. Is that with Jesus we know his answer. And the answer is, you are. You're most valuable to Jesus. That's what the cross is all about. The cross is all about a, a, a direct message saying to you that you are valued that you are redeemed, which means paid for, that you are cherished by your Creator, that you are valued and dearly loved. This is a great parable that Jesus tells. He says there's this guy, he's walking along in a field, and he stumbles across this hidden treasure. That's a nice story, right? But the trick is, it's not his hidden treasure. So what he does is he, he covers it back up again. He buries, he hides the treasure. And then the text says he goes back home, sells everything he has, and buys that field. So now the treasure is now legally his. And commentators of the Bible would say, well, this is what we need to do. We need to give up everything to receive Jesus, who is the greatest treasure. And that might be true, 
But about two decades ago, someone said, you know what, maybe it's the reverse. Maybe Jesus is the guy in the field, and you're the treasure. And biblically, that makes a whole lot more sense. That Jesus gives up everything. Everything. So that he might gain you. You're the treasure. And it's Jesus who makes the sacrifice. It's Jesus who gives up everything and humbles himself to that even death on a cross. So that he might have you or his purpose. And the third thing that makes purpose hard to see is that purpose is an everyday thing. That purpose is found not in the great and big so much as it is the mundane and the, the everyday. In the Middle Ages, they struggled with this question. Even in the Middle Ages, go figure. Because in the Middle Ages, they said, if you really want to have a special, do a special thing, if you really want to please God, you get to be a monk, a nun, or a priest. Those are your three options. Monk, nun, priest. How many are signing up? That's what I thought. Lots of people didn't sign up. They're like, mm, no, pass, right? And the church said, you know what, then you're not as special to God. That was Middle Ages teaching. Martin Luther came along and flipped it all on its head. And he did it with this one simple phrase. He wrote this. God gets up every morning and milks the cows. Isn't that cool? God gets up every morning and milks the cows. And what Luther meant was this, is that what you do in your everyday actions, a teaching, a building, a selling, um, computing, I don't know if that's a word, but doing stuff, right? Whatever you do matters to those around you. Because people need milk, and they need schools, and they need stuff built, and they need stuff sold to them. We need that. Some years ago, the garbage collectors in New York City went on strike. It's a long time ago. And all of a sudden, the people in New York City realized that garbage collectors are really important people. Because if they don't work, then the trash piles up and gets really bad in New York City. What you do makes a difference. It matters. And it often doesn't feel that way because when you go to home at night, you don't think about the five customers you successfully served. You think about the one that chewed your head off because some mistake was made or some, some thing down the line didn't go exactly right. And you, oh, you live in the Vale Valley. Have you had that experience? <laughs> surpassing power in jars of clay so that everyone might know that this power is from God and not from us. Think about a jar of clay. Did you ever like do the clay jar thing when you were in kindergarten? You, know, like, you could do the clay thing, right? My dad smoked, so I always made an ashtray. Because that, you couldn't mess an ashtray, right? What is that? It's an ashtray, Dad. Congratulations. I got you an ashtray, right? Thoughts. Yeah. So I couldn't make any but you drop it, and that thing shatters. 
We had this, this power in jars of clay so that the world might know that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from you. Paul continues to write, we carry the life and death of Jesus in our own bodies. And his point is this, is that when people see you, they might see Jesus. In your broken, fragile, frail jar of clay. Because we're broken people. And we make mistakes all the time and sin all the time. He said, but you know, my hope is in Jesus. And my purpose is because he lives and he reigns. He's put me on this earth the task with people to serve and love. Because he died and rose for me. We got school cooking back in the gear here. The kids are going back to school. They've got their purpose there. You guys are getting back in the gear for the fall season. The, the skiers are coming back. The New Yorkers are coming back. <laughs> I'm sorry. That pastor. <laughs> And you're going to have times where you're like, what am I doing? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Now I encourage you to switch around. For whom are you here? Or who has God placed in your life, in your sphere of influence? God is saying, that person needs the touch of Jesus. That person needs to see what God's forgiveness and truth and love looks like. For some of you, you got little ones at home. And your purpose is to change diapers, work, find time to sleep. It's those three things. That's all time you got. God bless you. That's a good and noble purpose. Others of you got older kids, you got empty nests, whatever it might be, you got a little bit more margin, a little bit more time on your hands. You can ask the bigger question. For whom am I here? For whom has God called me to serve and to love? At jobs, at where you work, at home, in the community. Because Jesus Christ died most for you. I want to encourage you to invest your life in things that last and make an eternal difference. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord... Um, called us on this earth, you've given us a purpose. We pray, Lord, that in our fragile, frail ways, Lord, that we might shine your all-surpassing power. And Lord, it might be as simple and as compassionate as that woman who blessed you and praised you, who was so thankful for forgiveness in her life that she shed tears and wiped those tears off your feet with her hair. Lord, may we love and praise you like that. Lord, a lot of us here are, are feeling broken and beaten and we're like, we don't even know what our purpose is. I'm just happy I got out of bed today. Lord, may your all-surpassing power shine through in our jars of clay. 
Lord Jesus, um, we pray that we would see you in our lives every day and that we'd see your purposes in our lives every single day. Your jobs, families and friends, out in the neighborhood, walking the dog. Because, Lord God, you've created us for a purpose. You've created us to be your people in your world, Lord. We were never our own. Not since the day you died for us that you redeemed us. We've never been our own. And that is the great lie that Satan tells us, that we are our own. And that we are masters of ourselves. Lord God, we've never been. May we serve you and serving you, Lord find our purpose and our greatest joy for your glory and our joy. Amen. Let's stand and praise our God.